But let's remember this. We're, we're coming now to the instruction uh, of our kids. And we remember that Ephesians 6 tells us to bring them up in the discipline. We already talked about that. doesn't just mean corrective discipline there, but that's part of it. But discipline and instruction of the Lord. Uh, we've already talked about Proverbs 22, verse 6. It mainly the first half. In fact, we won't get to the second half until our next session, the last session. Um, Proverbs 22, 6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go. The second half is, even, as, even when he is old, he'll not depart from it. That's what we're not talking about yet. We'll come to that. Um, that there's a way to certainly misunderstand and misapply that second half. But, but just bear with me to focus on the first half of it for now. Train up a child in the way he should go. No doubt that's related to instruction. In Ray Ortland, uh, in his commentary on Proverbs, he says that this idea of training is along these lines. He says the Hebrew word translated train up is related to an Arabic verb that was used of rubbing the palate of a newborn child with a mixture of dates. Can you picture that? I won't do it because I'll shake your hand after and that'll be gross. <laughs> Rubbing the palate of a newborn child with a mixture of dates to get the child to suck. It means to accustom a child then to a taste and to motivate the child to take it in. So training up implies, necessarily implies some correction in the way we shouldn't go or when they're not going the right way. It, it means redirection in the way they should go but it also implies instruction with the hope and aim that they develop some new instincts, some new tastes, uh, some new familiarities. So remember that illustration we had of two different rows that you're going to plow. They're going to spend time in the disobedience row and the obedience row, but which row will get deeper ruts? Which one will, in which one will the soil become softer? In, in which one will it be easier, more familiar, and more comfortable. Remember that discipline is pulling them from that row of disobedience and letting them see that it's not a good row, it's unattractive, it has many problems. Uh, and instruction is the positive. Uh, it's prescribing for them, describing for them, exemplifying for them that row of obedience. Now turn with me, if you would, to Proverbs 1. We're going to definitely spend some more time in bigger passages in this session, so uh, have your Bible open and ready to, to turn. Uh, Proverbs 1. I'm going to read a good section of this here, and I want you to look for what we're to teach. I mean, Proverbs is all about teaching, all about instruction. What specifically, though, does it say we should be teaching? What does it commend? Let's read, starting in verse 1, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. To know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching. For they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. If they say, come with us, let us lie in wait for blood. Let us ambush the innocent without reason. Like Sheol, let us swallow them alive and whole like those who go down to the pit. We shall find all precious goods. We shall fill our houses with plunder. Throw in your lot among us. We will all have one purse. My son, do not walk in the way with them. Hold back your foot from their paths. For their feet turn to evil. And they make haste to shed blood. 
for in vain is a net spread in the sight of any bird, but these men lie in wait for their own blood. They set an ambush for their own lives. Such are the ways of everyone who is greedy for unjust gain. It takes away the life of its possessors. And then just a little bit more now that we get to the positive after this negative, what not to do. Wisdom cries aloud in the street. In the markets, she raises her voice. At the head of the noisy street, she cries out. At the entrance of the city gate, she speaks. How long, O simple ones, will you love being simple? How long will scoffers delight in their scoffing and fools hate knowledge? If you turn at my reproof, behold, I will pour out my spirit to you and I will make my words known to you. We can stop there. So let's do a little bit of interaction here. You can look down in your Bibles on Proverbs 1. And what do you see that Solomon wants his son to learn? What does he teach? To listen? Listen to what? Listen to instruction? What else? Just keep going. We're just going to we're going to put a whole bunch of words on this page up here and fear the Lord. That's a big one, isn't it? I mean, everything begins with fear of the Lord, which in a sense means respect of God, but even more awe of God. It implies obedience to God. The, the fear of the Lord, the awe of God and the respect of God and the obedience to God is the beginning of everything. The foundation. What else? Yes, yeah, so you got to seek it, right? You have to go looking for it. Righteousness. Yeah, it's all through this passage. Notice that, that triad, you could call it, in verse 3 of righteousness, justice, and what's the third one? Equity. Yeah. So what we're doing here is we're, we're trying to ascertain what our kids need to learn. And we're following the biblical example of Solomon teaching his son in this power-packed chapter of Proverbs 1. What else? Yeah, prudence, discretion. How about temptation? How many verses does temptation occupy in Proverbs 1, at least 1 to 23? Anyone tell, can anyone tell us? I count verse 10 to 19 at least, right? All that is about temptation. Why such great length about temptation? And what, what is Solomon doing as he unpacks temptation over these 10 verses? Yep, deception. Yeah, they entice you, right? They say, come with me, come with us, because we're going to get the loot. We're going to be rich. You know? How to fight temptation, right? Don't even go near. Keep your foot from them. The consequences of the sin, he unpacks that. That's part of it. Verses 10 to 19. All right, so we've covered temptation now. What else? Is wisdom easily gained in Proverbs 1? Yes or no? Yeah, the, the seeking out. So we already did that, seeking, right? And, and yet, notice verse 22, it's an invitation. Just come. How long are you going to be stupid? <laughs> Just give up on your stupid ways and turn yourself over to the Lord. So there's a sense in which it's a, it's a yes and no, right? Uh, is it easy to get wisdom? 
Well, sure, it, the invitation is clear. Just come. Just buy in wholesale to the Lord's wisdom. On the other hand, this is a lifelong thing. It's a pursuit. You keep pursuing it. Verse 5, let the wise hear and increase in learning. Ongoing, whole life. What else? How about the beauty of obedience? Verse 9, the instruction and the teaching is like a graceful garland for your head, pendants for your neck. Anything else? Yeah, so some specifics, right? Uh, specifics of greed. What else? Along the lines of specifics. We mentioned righteousness, justice, and equity. Yeah, discipline. Yep. Unjust gain, verse 19. Yep, turn, turn from reproof. Yeah, I mean, it's almost in proverbial terms, this is gospel invitation and gospel promise kind of stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, so, right, so with temptation, sort of the ugliness of sin, the trouble, consequences, you said. Well, you see there's a lot there, right? And we could go on. We could spend more time digging at it, picking at it, uh, trying to see what modifies what and what's getting unpacked. But you can see from Proverbs 1, we got a lot to, we got a lot to teach our kids. But a lot is at stake, right? Temptation is sneaky and deceptive and powerful. And you give in to that, leads to destruction and death and hell. But you can turn from your wicked ways and receive God's wisdom. And that wisdom is beautiful, especially when it is founded upon the fear of the Lord. Um, so one of the things Proverbs 1 does is sort of talk about two paths, right? Right? Um, like that Lenny Kravitz song, Are You Gonna Go My Way? Anyone know that? Are you gonna go my way? Proverbs is saying it. Jesus is saying it. The Bible says, are you gonna go God's way? Joshua says, choose this day whom you will serve. And so we have to help our kids apply that to everyday life. That every day there are constant forks in the road. Now, some of those forks in the road... Well, it's amoral. You know, whether you play basketball or golf, I don't know if God really cares. Just go ahead and pick one. Uh, but, but other things are really clear. Are you going to join in on that gossip? Are you going to uh, look on the phone of a friend at nude pictures? On and on it goes. So we have to instruct our kids in the truth and beauty and goodness of God's ways and instruct them in, in the horror and death and dangerousness of, well, the ways of the world. We have to teach them what sin is. We have to teach them where it is. We have to teach them that it's not just out there, but it's in their hearts. We have to teach them what's behind 
their actions, why they did this or that. We have to teach them uh, thoroughly about temptation and how to flee it. Now, what else does Proverbs teach us? That's Proverbs 1. What I want you to do now is just open to any place in the book of Proverbs. I want you to tell me themes of Proverbs. What else do we find? Don't, don't say quite the same ones we've said regarding Proverbs 1. But what other themes? If you're, if you're the kind of guy who does a proverb a day, you don't even need to open. You know the main 7, 8, 10, 12 themes of Proverbs that just keep getting cycled throughout. What else is in Proverbs? Yeah, big one. Work in laziness. What else? Money. Money, yep. Money and possessions, we could say. Calm down and shut up. Calm down and shut up. Explain the calm down part. Rest? Enjoyment, that's part of yeah. Proverbs. And what about the shut up part? Yeah. How about the tongue in general, speech, communication, right? How much of Proverbs is just about the tongue, whether for good or evil, right? Forbidden woman, yes. Who's sometimes called Lady Folly, right? She's sort of a personification of foolishness and a personification of temptation to foolishness. Uh, and yet it also works as a really good warning for actual adultery and actual lust. Um, the forbidden woman, that's good. What else? Proverbs 31, true wisdom. Yeah. Yeah, how to find a good wife, right? Yeah. And the beauty of, so, so I'm glad you mentioned this one next. The good, the good wife of Proverbs 31 is contrasted with the forbidden woman of Proverbs uh, 6 or so. Um, you got you got two ladies. Which one are you going to go after? Um, and again, they in some ways personify foolishness and wisdom, but they also tell you some things about women and relationships. And yeah, what else? I'm sorry. Pride. Yeah, big one. Yep. Yeah, the heart. Great. Trust in God, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, probably most well-known verses of Proverbs. And probably related to that is just expectations and plans. A man's heart plans his ways, but the Lord directs his steps. Anything else? Deceptiveness of sin. Yep. All right, so again, we have a lot to teach our children. Um, let me just add this one because it's a, it's a big one. How about just attitudes, emotions? Um, did we say self-control yet? Let's say it. If not, self-control. I mean, that's a really big part of parenting little kids. Attitudes, emotions, self-control. 
control. Um, let's do this. Let me, let's look up some Proverbs together. Someone find for us Proverbs 12, 16. Someone else look up 16.32. Maybe someone else find for us 23.19. We'll do 28.16. And one more, 29.11. Oh, and I lost it. Did you get those? Probably not, so let me read them for you. Um, since we lost it on the screen, I'll, I'll read Proverbs twelve sixteen. A fool's anger is known at once. You hear that? It's lack of self-control. Anger, just boom, instant. Proverbs sixteen thirty two. He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty. He who rules his spirit is better than he who captures a city. Proverbs twenty three nineteen. Listen, my son, and be wise, and direct your heart in the way. 28, 16, he who trusts in his own heart is a fool. And 29, 11, a fool gives full vent to his anger, but a wise man keeps himself under control. These are really important verses for, let's just say, a teenage boy right? Maybe a a teenage boy who plays sports and is occasionally provoked and sometimes loses his temper. These are really important verses for, let's just say, teenage girls that are, are prone to, you know, giggle nonstop and then fall into a ball of tears for no reason. So, the heart is a, an important thing for us to talk about with our kids and for us to to deal with with them, um, for, for us to unpack with them and help them to see and, and help them to direct their heart in the ways of the Lord. Another theme you have in Proverbs is, is peacemaking and reconciliation. I'd really recommend a, a little book to you if you don't have it. Um, it's called The Young Peacemaker by Ken Sandy, S-A-N-D-E. It's a perfect book for you to use with your kids, plural. So siblings who tend to get at each other, great book. This will give them tools and process for how to deal with conflict in a biblical way. You need that book. And of course, Proverbs addresses it as something that this is the stuff of life and this is... Stuff we need to teach or be instructed in. We need to teach them how to live. That's what we're talking about right now. But we need to teach them God's word, right? So here's another heading. Teach them about God and his word. Remember Ephesians 6.4 said, bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Don't just tell them how to live. Don't just tell them how things work. Don't just tell them how to behave. Tell them about the one who is behind all that, which means you got to open the Bible. you got to be, well, you got to have the Bible permeating your life and your home. Of course, the fear of the Lord in Proverbs 1-7 told us that. The fear of the Lord is the foundation for everything else, and we get that from the Bible. But but we need the stories of the Bible as well, which show us how to fear the Lord and why we should fear the Lord. I was thinking of Exodus 10 in conjunction with this because we were just there last Sunday. And you remember in Exodus 10 where God says, I'm going to reveal these things to you and to Pharaoh that you may tell them in the hearing of your son and your grandson how I dealt harshly with the Egyptians. We've got to teach our kids the stories of the Bible. And there is a way to do that that's really low shelf, right? It's veggie tales. I don't mean to pick on them. I, I, I like veggie tales. They're really good at first introducing our kids to something of the Bible, a story perhaps. They, they, you know, they take some freedom for sure. 
But it's hard to sort of stand in awe of this new episode of Veggie Tales. I know they're not still being made, but you get the idea. But Exodus 10 basically says, I gave these plagues like I did so that you would tell your kids and grandkids how I did it. And I suspect that implies you should be in awe as you tell them. In fact, we get that from Psalm 145. Turn there if you would, and I'll read a few verses from Psalm 145 about about what we teach our kids and how we teach them. Look at Psalm 145, verse 4. One generation, all right, so we're talking about parenting here. One generation shall commend your works to another. That's just not telling, that's, that's delivering on a silver platter. And they shall declare your mighty acts on the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works, I will meditate. So, so notice there, it got personal. So what was in verse 4, passing it along to another generation. Now verse 5 is talking about personal meditation, which, by the way, is needed for good, passing it along. And they shall speak. Notice verse 6. Now, I think it's probably the next generation. They shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds, and I will declare your greatness, and they shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. What this tells us is that we've got to pass along to our kids not just the Bible stories, but the God of the Bible, having experienced that God awe and wonder. And they should know that mom and dad have been, in in essence, touched by God. That mom and dad know this God, and they love this God, and they, they worship this God. They bow before this God. Okay, so God has done wondrous things in the Bible, and he's done them in wondrous ways so that we would tell our kids how he did it. And we would tell them what kind of God this is. Tell them about the bigness of God and show them the bigness of God in the Bible. Tell them about God's unapproachable holiness, his hatred for sin. Read them the stories where God killed people. Nadab and Abihu, who offered strange fire before the Lord, and they were consumed at that very moment. Uzzah, who put out his hand to steady the ark that God said no man would touch, and God killed him. Ananias and Sapphira, who lied about how much money they gave to the church, and they went out in a body bag. Tell those stories to your kids. And tell them about God's love. Not just his holiness and his hatred for sin and his, his occasional judgments, but tell them about and show them in the scriptures how God loves, how Jesus was a friend of sinners. I mean, just show them his love demonstrated upon the cross. Again, talk about these things personally and experientially and, and passionately to them. And do it whenever you can. Drew, in just a bit, is going to talk to us about the planned and routine rhythms of Bible uh, with our kids, what we call family worship. Um, But let me read from Deuteronomy 6 to remind you that this is all day, every day kind of stuff. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way. When you lie down and when you rise up, 
You'll bind them as a sign on your hand and you'll have them as frontlets between your eyes. You'll write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Talk of God as much as you can, whenever you can, however you can. Use things like catechisms to get your kids to interact with you and to memorize certain things. Use Bible audio if that's helpful. Bible story books can be wonderful, especially as they paint the whole picture of God's grand plan. The Bible story book, things like that. Lead them in memorizing scripture. Uh, start small. All of our kids started with Psalm 3, 7. Is that right? No? I will, when I am afraid, I will trust in you. Yeah. When I am afraid, I'll trust in you. That's a great first verse for kids to learn. My wife thought of it. Teach them and show them how to love and use the Bible for themselves. And let me just move past Bible for just a, a moment here. And then I'll turn things over to Drew for his part. But on a more practical level, can I encourage you, as you think about instructing your kids, teach them and show them the importance of time together as a family. Some of you may need to recover your dinner table. Recover the dinner time table. Meaning, as much as we can, the whole family gets around the kitchen table every night and we have dinner together and we talk. Not the TV, just each other. It may eventually lead to Bible. It may not. But you know what? If you just need to start with the kitchen table and recovering that for your family again and do that. Teach your kids about the beauty and the obedience of hospitality and serving others and God's mission to the world starting with your neighbors. Teach them to love and prioritize the local church. Teach them that the local church is more important than their sports. I will say that um, having been in pastoral ministry, this is my 20th year, uh, or I'm in my 20th year, I don't think I've seen yet a family play pretty loose with church and the kids turn out all right. I say that honestly with some trembling. Uh, that's a scary reality. You just don't want to do that. Um, Teach them to love and prioritize the local church. Uh, teach them and help them to think through wise use of technology and entertainment, especially in this age we're in. And here's where that could then launch into a, its own Saturday seminar. Maybe we need to do that sometime soon. Uh, until then, get Andy Crouch's book, top of that stack there, The Tech Wise Family. It's the best single one source I know of. Uh, so use stuff like that. Be thinking and be thoughtful. Be, um, well, like Jesus said, if your right hand offends you, cut it off. Um, some of you might, might need to cut off certain parts of technology and certain amounts of uses of it. Well, but back to Bible now. I'll turn things over to Drew, and he's going to talk to us about family worship and what that looks like in the Hodge house. All right. Well, I don't know about you, but I've been edified. I feel all of those C's that Ryan listed off uh, at the beginning, uh, but I definitely have been uh, convicted and comforted in the gospel and, and committed and recommitted to doing these things. So I have the benefit of uh, talking with you guys about family worship. I believe that I came to embrace the gospel through endearing family worship in my home growing up. I believe that I learned how to pray. I learned how to read the Bible. And I learned how to sing in family worship. Um, the text that we'll 
kind of frame all of this for us will be 1 Timothy 4, verses 6 through 8. It says, If you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed, having nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourselves for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. So when we consider what is the point of family worship, it, is, uh, it has an aim, it has a direction. It is not discipline for discipline's sake. I'm certainly not here to give you another box to check that you have to add to your daily routine. Uh, this, is, this is discipline with direction is what Don Whitney says about family worship. And that direction is godliness. That direction is holiness. That direction is Christ-likeness. So if you need uh, further uh, uh, convincing, which I imagine you here this morning on a Saturday morning thinking about parenting, you might not be the crowd that needs convincing that family worship is something good and right that you should implement in your homes. But I'm going to pretend like you are all very against this, and I'm going to convince you that you should want to do this. And fathers, I will be directing most of my instruction and encouragement and exhortation to you as the leaders and the head of your home. You should be the leaders and the initiative, the, uh, the initiators of this in your family. So, so when we think about family worship, let me give you just a brief definition. What is family worship? Because uh, we've probably heard a lot about it. I would say it's simply this, a regular family gathering of reading the Bible praying the Bible, and singing the Bible. So a regular family gathering, reading the Bible, praying the Bible, and singing the Bible. So uh, you might say, why? Why do we need a a regular gathering of family? Can't we just let the the church and the professional ministers handle that? And I would simply say the answer to that would be that God is worthy of your worship in your home with your family. Um, and there are many other ways. And dads, I would ask, what, what, is, uh, what is the venue or arena that you are using for the instruction of your children in the Lord? Uh, how are you honoring that, that exhortation from Paul in Ephesians 6 to train up your children? Is it just bringing your kids to church, which I would encourage and affirm? But is that it? Is that you say, well, check my dad, my dad responsibility box by bringing my kids to church on Sunday or bringing your kids to youth? I would say that there's more that we could do. So looking at more venues or more, more arenas for instruction. Um, Ryan mentioned uh, Deuteronomy 6. Like Christian worship, family worship can be uh, both pervasive all the time, everywhere, Deuteronomy 6, and it can also be planned, like our corporate gatherings. Uh, so in, uh, in our own private Christian worship, we worship all the time. Whether we eat, whether we drink, we do all to the glory of God. But then we also worship corporately. We gather for planned, structured times of focus, of preaching, of hearing God's word, of singing and praying. So, so with family worship, it is like that. So let me quickly just touch on uh, what Ryan has already mentioned as far as what I would call pervasive or spontaneous worship in your family. And just how that looks in my family and, and how we, we do that in the Hodge home. The focus is to, is to make life God-focused. Um, we don't naturally do this, and our children certainly don't naturally do this. Our children are naturally self-centered and self-focused. So we need to take mundane moments and make them about God's majesty and care and glory. I would encourage you to frequently pause life. Stop what you're doing. To reorient your gaze Godward. To remind yourself and your kids that they are not the center of the universe, but God is. We need this often. Consider, uh, consider the lilies, Jesus says in Matthew 6. He's teaching us about anxiety, but, but he's saying, look at the most simple mundane thing. Look at a flower, and it shows us God's care and provision. So how do we do that with our kids? How do we, how do we frequently throughout the day say to consider the lilies? Uh, for us, it's often, look at the mountain. We're driving around. I'll ask my two-year-old. I'll say, I'll say, Biscuit. We call him Biscuit. I'll say, look at that mountain. Is that mountain big or is that mountain small? He'll say, it's big. I said, who, who made that mountain? I said, God did. I said, that's right. What else did God make? 
God made everything. So Ryan mentioned catechisms. I'm going to talk more specifically about catechisms in our, in our family structured time. But we're, catechize your kids, not just with structured give, given uh, uh, resources uh, like the New City Catechism, Heidelberg Catechism, whatever catechisms you choose to use. But we're, we're catechizing our kids constantly. We're asking them questions, and we're expecting answers. And we want to teach them through that. Your school is doing it, so let's, let's be doing it in our home uh, pervasively, constantly. So we're asking questions. Um, in any given moment of the day, you can say, what does this teacher show us about God? What does this teach us about ourselves? What, is, what does this show us about what God is like? Um, or what does the Bible say about this? Uh, whatever, whatever they could be doing. You could just ask that question about anything. Say, so what does the Bible say about this? And they, they may not know, and you may not know. And you might have to say, well, Daddy's going to look that up. Daddy's going to find that out. Um, so consider the lilies. Look at the mountain. Um, the best venues, I would affirm what Ryan mentioned, the dinner table is one that has been, has been uh, huge for us. Uh, so I would say at the table or in the car are two great places to, to do this pervasive, spontaneous worship with your kids and instruction. So at the dinner table, whether that's breakfast or dinner, whatever that is, find that time, redeem that time, use that time for focused uh, time about God and about what uh, God is doing in their lives. And in the car, uh, for us, if, if I ever go anywhere, I take a kid. I have, I have five kids, so I just, just grab the closest one, and we go. If I'm, go. if I'm just running to Smith's, I grab a kid, we get in the car, we go, and I'm going to ask them two or three questions along the way and just interact with them. Um, depending on the age of the kid, my oldest is 10, the youngest is 2. Questions are going to be different. The conversations are going to be different. The depth is going to be different. We all understand that. So with my older kids, I might ask, about their day, about, uh, about uh, relationships and school and struggles and questions and doubts and fears and all this stuff that you can g- get into with older kids. With the younger kids, I'm just going uh, to ask questions like I mentioned earlier about God and about his bigness, about his glory and about how he made us. Just try to instill a wonder and awe about God and his world, um, even as we just drive around. So redeem that time. Uh, take, those, take those opportunities wherever you can because it would certainly be easier for me to just jump in the car and go to Smith's without having to buckle my two-year-old in and, and then get him out of the car and walk him around Smith's and get back in the car. We all, if you have a two-year-old, you know that that would be much easier. But I've, we've committed to, to using that time, redeeming that time for instruction and training in our kids. And so that's, that's all I'll say about... Uh, uh, pervasive and spontaneous. There's lots that could be said. I want to focus more here on, uh, on plan and structured. But I've found in our family that the spontaneous and pervasive uh, times of worship is fueled by our planned structured time. The planned structured time is where a lot of those questions come from. Remember what we talked about? Remember that catechism question? Remember what we read, what we sung? The songs that we sing in the car come from our family time, our structured time. So, what does it look like? I'll give you, I'll give you just a, a, a brief overview of what it looks like in the Hodge home. For us, we all have, we have, we have five young, younger children. So, for us, it is 7 p.m. on the dot, the house shuts down. So, no matter what is happening, every screen turns off, every toy gets put away, and we, well, maybe not put away, put away, but put away. Um, and, and we stop, and we sit down at the couch, and we have Bible time. We just call it Bible time. And I'll, I'll yell it through the house. I make this, this announcement, and, and the kids are expected to come running and, uh, and hopefully enjoy. Not always, but sometimes, uh, sometimes we have to, to correct that. So they come in, and then we, uh, we will read, read Scripture. And I'll get more specifics there. We'll read Scripture, we'll pray, and then we'll sing. Those are the three elements that always exist uh, in our family worship time. And uh, so just to highlight uh, and give it quick comment about each of those three areas for, for us when I'm, when I'm thinking about reading. So we're reading, we're reading God's Word. We're reading uh, uh, the, the text of God's Word. Ryan mentioned storybook Bibles. I think those are an excellent resource for younger kids as a, as a, a, a supplement. Um, I would never uh, want to just use the Big Picture Story Bible or Jesus Storybook Bible and never read the Bible to my kids. So don't, don't uh, yeah, raise them and, and yeah, let that um, like Ryan mentioned, uh, kind of cultivate their imagination and seeing the big picture. Yes, we love and we've used all of those. Biscuit's favorite book is, is Kevin DeYoung's ABC Storybook Bible that just has a letter of the alphabet 
and he goes through, and Biscuits led us in a family worship time recently through, through, that, through that book. He just he opens it up, and he'll start telling us what the letters are. Um, so, yes, use that, but, but, but the, reading, the reading is always text. It's always biblical text. So whether we're reading through the Old Testament or read a psalm, read a proverb, read a, read a chapter of the New Testament, there's reading. So we, uh, when we're reading, I like to ask questions of the text. This is just good for Bible study in general. Three questions we can always ask of the text. And these are three questions that I'll often ask my kids in preparation for the reading. First question, I'll say, what does this say about God? Second question is, what does it say about us? Third question is, what does it say about what God has done to fix our greatest problem? So that one's kind of a little more wordy, but you get the idea. What does, it God, what does it say about God's redemption? What does it say about how God has saved us from our biggest problem? So I'll ask those questions before, I'll read, and then I'll ask them again, follow up, and get the kids interacting with the text, thinking critically about the text, and then answering those questions. And then we will pray. And in our prayer, prayer time is often fueled from what we just read. So I'll use what we just read and say, how can we pray about this? Um, if, it, if it brings up, brings up relationships uh, in the text, I'll talk about how can, we, how can we pray about our relationships, your relationships with your friends or your, your siblings or with your parents or with the Lord. Um, what does it say about God? How can, we, how can we adore God in our prayer? We use the, the ACTS acronym. You guys many, may be familiar with ACTS, A, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. Using those four categories to give your kids uh, an idea uh, of, of a direction for prayer. So sometimes our prayer time will be, I want, like last night, I just said, I want everyone to thank God for something. Just one thing. Just not random, not thank you for the lamp. and the, Just I want you to think about one thing. One thing that you're really thankful for. And we're just going to say, thank you, God, for blank, in Jesus' name, amen. That's, that's the only prayer we're going to pray. So give your kids some focus. It's good for me because my prayers, all of our prayers, no matter how sophisticated we are, we all have our ruts that we get into. So using the Bible that we just read to then give us direction, to give us uh, theological categories to pray about um, is helpful. Sometimes our prayers are just adoration, just God, you are great, you are holy, you are and like this, and just have my kids in their own way say, say those things. And so we talk about prayer. We talk about what we're going to pray about. It's not just all winging it, um, which can, can be okay, but oftentimes the kids are just going to say the same thing. And one kid's, I have, again, five kids, so the one kid's going to just pray the same thing that the older kids just said, prayed. Um, so... Which, which shows you and reinforces the idea that our family prayer times are instructive. When our younger kids hear us pray, we will often go from oldest to youngest, um, even though I'll go first, even though my wife is older than me. Um, but I'm the, I'm the man, so I'm going to go first. <laughs> so I go first, and then, then Chrissy, and then the oldest kids all the way down to the youngest. So the youngest has heard six prayers by the time he gets to him, and he's been instructed by that. So... So that's, that's how I learned to pray, and that's how my kids are, are learning to pray. Um, singing, singing, which I, you, I, I get up here, and I'm sure you thought we were just going to talk about singing, and how do we do that, and I don't sing, and so Drew, tell me how to, how to do this. Um, we j- just, you just sing. Um, we, we sing simple songs that we all know. We don't have hymnals out. We, we, we'll get to that point when our kids can all read, but, but early on, kids can't read, so we just sing from memory. We have, a, we have a catalog of hymns that we sing one or two verses of. We have VBS songs. We have songs that we sing on Sunday. I'll try to teach my kids new songs. I don't get out an instrument. I don't have my guitar. It's not a big production. I don't sit at the piano. We sing a cappella because we're just all sitting on the couch. And there'll be other more spontaneous times where I'll have my guitar or the ukulele or something, and we'll sing. But our family worship times, it's just, it's just more simple. It's more, uh, uh, it's more, it's easier to to reproduce night in and night out um, if we just sing a cappella. And so I'll ask kids for their requests, their favorite songs, and then I'll, I'll talk about if we had a particular reading, then I'll say, you know, what songs did that make you think about? Uh, and if we're talking about a, a big God passage like Exodus, we would say, we'd start singing, my God is so big, so strong and so mighty. We'd go through the hand motions and, and do, do all that. We, we just start singing. So singing a cappella. We sing... 
sing just one or two verses. Just start, and, and our kids can memorize them. So you sing them, and it's amazing what kids can just just pick up. You sing it once, and they got it. They don't need they don't need words on the screen. They don't need anything. Uh, they're just they're just following. Um, if you can't sing, if you feel like, yep, I, me and my wife, we don't have a musical bone in our body. None of our kids play instruments. We just, we just would feel completely aimless and completely helpless and hopeless in singing. Then, uh, then pull out your phone. Have you a playlist of songs that we sing in our church? Have a playlist of hymns that you can just hit play real quick, sing along with it. Um, I'll, I'll list off a few resources at the end here that I think could be helpful for you uh, to, to do that more effectively. But we have technology. Use it to, to help to help your family sing. But it does, and it doesn't have to be a big production. Your kid does not care how good, how good or how bad your voice is. My kids are thoroughly unimpressed with me. They don't, they don't care. They don't think that it's amazing that they get to sing with me. It's just we're singing together. It, it, it doesn't matter. For them, it's just a sweet time. That's my kids' favorite, favorite time of Bible time is just to, to sing. They love to sing. So we want to instill that in them, a, a love to sing and a love to praise. And we always want that... that uh, praise to be a response to God's word. So we teach them that there's, there's this idea that God has revealed himself in his word and we respond in praise. So we, we read and we sometimes we'll pray right after or sometimes we'll sing and then we'll pray. So there's flexibility there. Um, I would say uh, be flexible. Be flexible in the length, the duration of your family worship times. So if you have younger kids, it might need to just be a tighter time. Get, get through it. Um, but for our kids... Uh, I would say that our kids, even at a young age, the toddler age, uh, even up to two years old, they can learn to sit still. They can learn to, you have to train them and discipline to do that. They're not going to just do it on their own. But uh, if you work at it and do it regularly, and they are, uh, they are taught to understand this is what we do as a family. This is who we are. We're going to sit still now and listen to the Bible. We're going to pray. And we're going to sing. It's not running around the house, you know, yelling and screaming while mommy and daddy do Bible stuff. No, we're all doing this together, oldest to youngest. So you can do that. Um, Ryan mentioned catechisms. Uh, we love uh, uh, the New City Catechism. So that's the, that one's been the best resource for us. has a great app that goes along with it. So I can just pull it up on my phone. Got the questions. You can put it on child mode. So it has the shorter answers, the shorter children answers for your young kids. And then you can just click it to adult mode if you have older kids and do the full answer. So our kids, we're up through, I don't know, 20-something 20, 20 questions that, that most of my kids could, could, I could ask them at any given time. I, and and, and we'll, we'll use this as supplemental to Bible time. So our family worship isn't just, let's go over catechisms. Let's review our catechisms. Um, no, we read, we pray, we sing, and then catechisms are um, most, most of the time supplemental. We don't do them every time. So sometimes we'll skip the catechisms if we're all tired and it just, we just need to go to bed. But for, with catechisms, we'll work through the questions. We'll just say them over and over again. Question, answer, question, answer, question, answer. And then for Bible memory, we've been memorizing the verse that New City Catechism attaches to each of those questions. It's been such a great tool. So it's all right there. Question, answer, verse. And we go to the next one. Question, answer, verse. So my kids have, have memorized up through, you know, the first 15 or so verses that, that support and go along with each of those catechisms. So uh, um, just to let you, let you know, to, uh, to help encourage you in this, my two-year-old, um, if I ask him, if I say, Biscuits, what is your only hope in life and death? He can answer that I am not my own, but belong to God. And then I say, what's the Bible verse with it? And he can say on his own, Romans 13, 7 and 8. For none of us lives to himself, none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. If we die, we die to the Lord. So whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. He can, he'll say that on his own. And that's not to the praise of me. I'm just an amazing... No, it's just, it's just the, the, the repetition, repetition, repetition. There's my time. Is, 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 it works. And even in a two-year-old, they soak it up. They hear their older siblings. They hear us. And then they just, they get it. They get it. And just what a, what a blessing, what a benefit for them to have that in there. All right, a few quick uh, encouragements. So it's not, a, it's not a show. It's not a production. Keep it simple, short. Keep it uh, reproducible. Keep it where you can do it every day. Um, and be flexible with time, location, duration. Maybe it needs to be in the morning, breakfast table. You're all gathered together. Breakfast time. Everybody's eating. You can have some focus time there. Or it's at dinner when everybody's together. Again, I would affirm 
reclaiming the dinner table uh, for training, instruction, and just time together as a family. Or, like for us, it's a kind of a pre-bedtime, last thing we do of the day. We, we shut our lives down and we focus on God because, again, God is the, the center of the universe, not us. Uh, remove distractions, get toys, get screens. Don't, I don't even let my kids have little trinket toys or little doll stuffed animals, uh, support blankets, whatever. Get rid of it. It is a distraction. They've got to work hard enough just to sit there and listen. So that's, that's been a focus for us. That's been really helpful. Um, and then your kids can, can learn to sit still and do this. Um, so you're, you're going to be thinking maybe, oh, man, this is, this is going to be rough. Um, but I, I think of the quote from G.K. Chesterton that said, anything worth doing is worth doing poorly. So let that be your encouragement. Go home, go home tonight. If you've never done this, just commit to doing this and do it poorly until you, you learn and you get better at it. Fathers, don't feel like you have to come up with this devotional for your Bible reading. I should have said that in the Bible time uh, or the reading time. Just read the text. Ask those questions of the text. If your kid asks you a question that you don't know the answer to, say, I don't know. I'm going to find out. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call Ryan right now, and I'm going to ask. No, go, go find out. It's okay. You're gonna, your kids are going to ask you questions all the time about things you don't know. So why not talk about the Bible? So don't feel like you have to have this devotional planned out. Every day you've got to just have a, this amazing outline and structure. No, just read the Bible. Just pray with your kids and sing. And keep it, keep it simple so you can reproduce it. And no, and be encouraged to this, God does not approve of you based on your family worship, on how often you do it, on how, how deep and how rich your family worship is. He does not approve of you because of that. He does not love you more because of that. He approves of us only through the blood of Jesus, and all of that is covered in his blood. But why not take every single opportunity we have, especially with our kids while they're in our home, to put the glory of God on display before them, to put the gospel in front of them, and to leave them with an eternal inheritance. So by his grace and for his glory, we can do that. I have a list of resources here um, that, yeah, I'll, uh, yeah, let me, give, let me give you. So I mentioned the New City Catechism. Storybook Bibles are great. Um, if you're looking for a hymnal, if you are thinking, hey, a hymnal would be good. My kids could follow along, look at the notes. Hymns of Grace. It's a hymnal that was produced by Master's Seminary. It's a great, great new hymnal if you're looking for that. If you're needing more help with music, you can use the DSC Music Blog. Every Monday, I post a recap of Sundays. You can go on there, grab lyrics, chord charts, if you are able to play an instrument, or even just the MP3s where I have them. I'll attach an MP3. You can pull that link up right there from your email if you subscribe to the blog, and then just start singing along with whatever songs we sung on Sunday. So the Music Blog, DSC Music, we have CDs, we have VBS songs that if you email me or Chris, we could, we could get you guys some of those simple VBS songs that we've recorded over the years that... that some of your kids have probably learned and sung and drove you bananas uh, singing them. But, but our kids still love them, and we still use them. Um, for more, uh, uh, the Bible Project is a, is a great resource for us. Um, they put together great videos, animated videos. Our kids love them. We use that, again, as a supplement to our Bible time, reading, uh, prayer, and singing. Then we'll watch a, a, a Bible Project video and, and discuss that and talk about, uh, talk about that video. For music, uh, Seeds Family Worship, so uh, S-E-E-D-S, Seeds Family Worship, they put together scripture songs, so verbatim, uh, scripture set to fun musical arrangements. Uh, so if you're looking for stuff to just play in the car where your kids can just be singing scripture, that one's one that's more aimed for kids. Uh, the Corner Room, which is uh, one you'll hear playing around here, is one, uh, he's a, a guy in, uh, in Alabama who puts together uh, verbatim, uh, music, uh, scripture to, uh, to music, and has a couple of great psalm uh, projects where she has a ve- verbatim ESV. Check him out, the corner room. And then Rain for Roots, Rain, R-A-I-N for Roots, R-O-O-T-S, Rain for Roots, they put out a couple of good, uh, good kids albums that we use. And then Sovereign Grace Music has several kids albums that are great, and we've used those for VBS and for other times here in our, in our church life. Uh, so use those. Have that music just playing in your house. Have hymns playing in your house. Uh, your kids will learn them. Your kids will soak them up, and then that'll help support your family time. Um, so let me pray real quick and be done. I already went over time. God, you are good, and you're gracious, and you're glorious, and we want to put you on display in the hearts and minds of our uh, 
families, for ourselves, and for our kids. Help us to glorify you in our homes. And may we do that through a structured family worship time. May we do it uh, as we rise, as we lie down, as we go along the way. Uh, for your glory and our good, we pray in Jesus' name. I do, have one, I do have one giveaway. So if you are committed, whether you've done it or not, if you are committed or recommitted to leading your family in family worship, I have a book to give away to you. So who's going to do it? Raise your hand if you're in. All right, got you in the back corner. Uh, this is uh, just a short, short booklet from uh, Donald Whitney. And uh, yeah, can be a helpful resource to you. So we're going to take a 10-minute break. I'll bring the book back to you. 10 minutes, come back in for a Q&A. Thanks.